Hello, Bears fans. Welcome once again to Bear Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're going to work out the trades so you don't have to. <laughs> a lot to work out. Um, give them the stuff. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Thank you again for tuning in to a uh, very, very busy podcast. Busy. I mean, it's I mean, the Bears played a game four days ago. and Bears I all day, every day. feel like that was... Five weeks ago by now with everything that's happened uh, with the NFL trade deadline and the Bears being active. And that's where we're going to start today. Um, I guess we'll start with the first trade that went through, and that was the Bears trading Roquan Smith to Baltimore. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I am conflicted on this one. On, on one hand, it stinks to trade a, a good young player during a rebuild. Right. Because... Say what you want about Roquan Smith, he is a very good player. He is. And he played really well for the Bears, and I think could have been a big part of the team going forward, but I I also think that they couldn't come to terms on a contract, and it certainly seems like they weren't going to come to terms on a contract, and the reason for that is clear. Roquan Smith wanted to be paid like an elite linebacker. Right. He's not an elite linebacker. He's very good, but he's a step shy of elite. Yeah. He doesn't generate the turnovers that the premier players at that position do. And I think that the Bears just came to the conclusion that it was time to move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we both like him as a player. Bears fans seem to like him as a player. I don't think that is a, a factor. Um, him being a leader on the team, that's not a factor. Uh, you know, but the the thing that is a factor, and it's reared its ugly head, uh, not once, but twice, uh, when he was a rookie, and then again uh, this offseason. Um, Poles, uh, the way I understood it, just, you know, was like, hey, we, you know, we wish him well. Um, just like with uh, Quinn, though, uh, he went to a good team. Yeah. Uh, it's not like they traded him to the Browns or <laughs> to the Lions. Um, but, uh, I, you know, he um, he's made it very clear that he believes that he should be, he should, quote unquote, reset the market. That 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 term seems to have really come up a lot this year, yeah. and you know there's been several big deals, uh, but you know uh, you're of the same ilk as me. We don't think that he's good enough to reset the market. I mean, I, I'm all about uh, spending uh, the McCaskies' money, <laughs> and 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 for rewarding players that have earned it. and rewarding players, and he certainly deserves to be rewarded. Yeah. But when I heard the buzz that. He was offered $100 million with de-escalators, the way I understood it, um, if he didn't meet certain uh, certain levels. Um, I thought that that still sounded like a pretty good deal, and he was going to get uh, uh, like $33 million this year. Yeah. And, you know, that right there to me, for him to sit there and say, you know what, I still deserve more on top of that, I remember distinctly another linebacker doing that. That was 54. Now, when Erlocker did it uh, to um, Angelo and that crew, that was one thing because he was literally the best linebacker in the NFL. First ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. And, you know, he they offered him money and he said, no, that's not enough. Um, and he wasn't even up for an extension. He just said, I want more money. They said, here's some, and he said, that's not enough, and they said, okay, here's some more, and then he, then he said, okay. And Briggs did something similar, too. Right, but, you know, uh, Smith is not at that point. He's, you know, he was, now he's in his fifth year of his rookie deal, and he just, he's not number one. I think that's right, and it's, it's not like the Bears didn't offer him a nice deal they offered him what sounded like a very fair deal based on all of the reporting. We don't know what the exact numbers were, but it was certainly a very nice contract. It was generational wealth, and it would have put Roquan Smith near the top of the list of linebackers in terms of salary. And I think that would have been a fair deal because I think that he is a good player. I think he is a difference maker, but he's not elite. He's not the right. best player at his position. He's probably not even the best Two or three, right? So 
it, it felt like the Bears and him, and, and by the way, it's not like this year so far he's done anything to prove the Bears wrong. He's right. kind of been himself. He's got a lot of tackles. He's got a couple interceptions, but it's not like he's taken his game to a new level this year. He's been the same player he's been, and that's a very good linebacker, but it felt like the Bears and him were not going to come to terms. Right. And I think that the next option if they were going to keep him and not agree to a contract was that they were going to have to put the franchise tag on him right and which we know wasn't going to work out and that's just not ideal for anybody the player's angry the team isn't invested in the player long term and more often than not you just end up with an underperforming player we saw that with robinson so right um i guess with roquan you know you you wish him well He's going to another team that's known for great linebacker play. He's going to a team that has a chance to compete for a Super Bowl this year if things go their way. And you you wish nothing but the best for him. It's too bad it didn't work out here, but I think the trade at the end of the day did make sense. Yeah. And I bet that Eberflus and Poles, when they're talking, I bet they're like, hey, we can we can replace... Roquan Smith's production with a second round pick. Well, or, I mean, or, we do have a linebacker guru. Yeah. Or, or we can sign a guy for $8 million and we can have him replace Roquan Smith's production because at the end of the day, Roquan Smith's production wasn't elite. It was very good. And that's not a slight. I mean, right. you, you want really good players. The Bears don't have enough of them. <laughs> yeah. but And, you know, um, uh, Biggs this week was talking about, uh, you know, of course, he received a lot of uh, a lot of mail about. Well, you know, uh, how are we going to uh, really develop a team when we're getting rid of young pieces? Mm-hmm. And Big's response was, "There's a lot of spots you know, on this team yeah. that need pieces, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we both are fully aware that defensive end has got to improve." Yeah, I mean. Uh, getting no pressure on the quarterback has been a problem in pretty much every game. Um, and until they can develop a consistent pass rush, we're going to get murdered. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, the front seven in general is horrible. Yeah. I, they can't stop the run. They can't get any pressure on the quarterback. Obviously a bit counterintuitive to trade away the best player of the front seven, but the fact but he's in, he's, he's that secondary wave. Absolutely, and the fact the fact is that there's so many positions on this team that still need an upgrade. You can't like off the ball linebacker, weak side linebacker. That's not the place that you want to be allocating twenty million dollars a year either, because right. there's just positions that are more impactful. I mean, offensive tackle, wide receiver, tight end. Defensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback. Those are all positions that the Bears need to upgrade. And those are all. We don't have to upgrade punter. That's true. (laughs) But but those are all positions that are just inherently more valuable than linebacker. And you just need to, in a salary cap sport, you need to be smart about where you allocate your resources. And if they had given Roquan Smith the contract he wanted, there's really only enough space on a roster for a few guys that can make that amount of money. And I, right. I, I think that the bears are of the opinion that if they're going to pay players, what Roquan was asking, they'd rather pay players that play more important positions. So I think it was, it, it wasn't one thing that led to this. I think the bears would have liked Roquan back at a fair, sure. fair price, but it just seems like they weren't going to get there. And then I think when both sides kind of come to that conclusion then it's probably best to move on and that's what they did well and part of uh what polls is supposed to be doing uh one thing that frustrates me is when fans start talking about polls not being active i think that is the biggest load of scat (laughs) out there you know i mean seriously i think this guy is hyper active actually i agree I, i i think he is like a stockbroker watching the mark every single second of the market and staying in tune if now we're, we're going to move on to claypool here but you know one of the things that i did here is that uh the packers were were on target for him along with some other teams mm-hmm. right and the fact that he is in tune and at least kind of seems from the outside like he might have been first dibs yeah. right 
Um, that to me shows the kind of Johnny on the spot that we need, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, we're coming from the exact opposite guy, right? Who was Mr. I want to stand back from everything. Don't look for me for a statement because I'm only going to say things four times a year. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, you're going to get pictures of me through the crack in the door, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, instead we got this guy out there that's like, He's out there with the players. He's out there with the coaches. He's in front of the camera, saying exactly what he means. Absolutely. I mean, you can. T- it's it's Ryan Pohl's show. Yeah. With Ryan Pace, everything was always about diffusing responsibility. <laughs> it was all about oh, we're collaborating, we're making decisions together. It wasn't me. Trust me, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't make any of these bad decisions. But with Ryan Pohl's, he owns it. Would me? I mean the and I mean. It, it's a natural transition to the Claypool trade because this one seems at least somewhat controversial. But I, I, I'm firmly on the side of I, I love this trade. I I like Chase Claypool as a player a lot. I, I think that he's got almost unlimited upside. He's incredibly talented. He has produced at, in the NFL so far. He, he hasn't been great, but I think he's been good and I think that there's a lot of room for improvement in his game and we've been complaining for two years now about the Bears not having wide receivers and they went out and got a young talented wide receiver that has a ton of potential upside and I think it's a great weapon to add to this team and I I think it's a really exciting move to kind of enhance what the Bears have on offense at the halfway point of the season. So, um, you know, I, I agree with all that, and uh, so I, I, of course, wanted to do uh, a breakdown on him last night, and so I was looking at some of the numbers here. Um, 49th pick of his class, uh, 6'4", 239 pounds, still ran a 4'4". That's a lot of speed for a lot of size. Can I, can, I, can I add something to that really quick? Yeah. So I heard this on the score, and there's some system that looks at basically players combine scores and just basically compares them to others based on their athletic ability. You know who his closest comparisons were? Justin Jefferson? Vincent Jackson and oh. and Megatron. Oh. <laughs> so like <laughs> That's a pretty that's a pretty good group. In, insane athletic talent. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, no, not at all. Um, and that makes sense, you know, uh, from uh, from the size standpoint. Uh, now, um, yesterday, uh, amongst all the buzz, um, I, I saw the term modest success. And I, and I, I got to say, I think that's kind of a good fit. Um, he, I mean, he, he certainly, when you, are, when you are a first or second to, uh, round pick to me, you're a starter. Mm-hmm. That's, it's not, no, he can develop into a starter. Your GM has to be drafting starters Day there. One. For sure. And um, so pick 49 is a high pick. Um, of course, he came out of the same draft as uh, as Justin Jefferson um, and Darnell Mooney, uh, which was, you know, was was interesting because I went and looked him up. And um, uh, now, according to the wave score, which is the um, wins above average score uh, from pro football reference, um, it's a grade that uh, they use an... Um, a mathematical formula to generate. Um, the number one receiver out of that class was Jefferson mm-hmm. with a 25. Okay. okay. Uh, now to um, uh, to uh, show a, a little a little bit uh, a, a little a, a little bit of the scale, Mooney and Claypool were tied for fifth at 15. Okay. So. His numbers are very similar to Mooney's. Yeah. And really, it was kind of interesting because they match like six and seven, six and seven, seven and six, five and six, uh, like all the way through all the big numbers, right? Uh, and so they're, they're, they've been very, very similar there. Now, the one part that, the, the one down note that I saw on him. And it's also been a down note for Darnell Mooney is catch percentage. Mm-hmm. It's like mid fifties, right? Mid fifties, yeah. Uh, his his first season, he started six games, uh, sixty two catches for eighty three eight hundred seventy three yards, 
good for 14.1 yards per reception. Outstanding, right? Even though he should have caught more balls, that's still pretty darn good, right? Nine touchdowns, we like that. 41 first downs, 57% catch percentage. That's not good. And remind everybody what a good catch percentage is. A good catch percentage, you, you need to at least be in the 60s, uh, the mid-60s. Yeah. What you really want, though, is if you want Justin Jefferson, he's 70. Yeah, so that's like elite, right? That's elite. So what we really want to see is we want to see that mid-60s to high-60s number. Um, a number one should be that 68, 69, 70. Uh, so well below that. Uh, and then that second season... Uh, 13 games started, 59 receptions, 860 yards. Pretty similar to the year before. Um, 14.6 yards uh, per reception. Dropped suddenly to two touchdowns. Okay, I can kind of understand that. You know, that could be scheme. Also, the the quarterback, right? Uh, 35 first downs. That's still pretty solid. Again, 56.2%. Actually went down a little bit. Don't want to see that. Year over year in your receiver, you definitely want to see an uptick in that number, especially when they're that low. This year, uh, 50 games. Uh, he started all eight games this so far. He had 50 targets, 32 receptions, 311 yards. Severe drop, 9.7 yards per reception. Now, uh, I think you and I will both agree that quarterback certainly has something to do with it, right? I mean, you know, it's... It's Trubisky, right? And yeah. now it's Pickett. And and Claypool is playing a new position this year. Yeah. His first two years, he was primarily lining up on the outside. This year, he's lining up in the slot. So yeah. More, and more checkdowns, more shorter passes. Yeah, more shorter passes. Um, only one touchdown, only 17 first downs. If you, if you, strew, uh, if you, if you string his numbers out... Um, it would be pretty actually similar to last year. Yeah. Now, his, his catch percentage right now is 64. So at least, I mean, that's a good improvement. Mm-hmm. Not good enough, but a good improvement. So, um, you know, that's that's something to look at right there. The, the one thing that um, I took away from it is, you know, if we, if we put those things aside, and I, I looked at this hard, there was really good... Um, talk and you alluded to it about the fact that there is a lot of promise with this kid he does have a lot of physical attributes he is he's already an experienced veteran um we did have to give up our second round pick which i was a little that's the one thing that kind of ticked me a little bit because we're actually paying out larger for him than he actually was drafted at mm-hmm. um but at this point if he can come in and develop, if Harry can develop, and then you have Mooney, while I still don't see any of those three guys being a one, you certainly have three good number twos. Yeah, and if Fields is special, which I'm actually starting to think he might be, you don't necessarily need that, like... Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, number one of ones. Right. It certainly helps. You'd rather ha- <laughs> you'd, you'd rather have it than not. But look at the Chiefs this year, right? I mean, they had that guy for a long time in Tyreek Hill, and this offseason they traded him. And has anybody really seen the Chiefs' offense take a step back? No, you just need a lot of good wide receivers. Now, I'm not saying Fields is Mahomes. yeah. Mahomes is still killing it. Yeah, I'm not saying Fields is Mahomes. Obviously, Mahomes is incredible, and Fields isn't there yet, but. The objective is to surround the quarterback with a lot of good wide receivers. And right. I think that we can all agree that Claypool is at least a good wide receiver. There are, I mean, there's other concerns with him, too. I mean, he, he's kind of had some knucklehead moments in yep. the league. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, his last two years, was constantly bitching that players on his offense weren't taking football serious enough and I think it was at least strongly (laughs) intimated that Claypool was one of those guys (laughs) and he's had some moments on the field where he's gotten flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct or other I I heard he I heard he loafs a a little other 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 knucklehead penalties but he's also 24 right there's certainly time for him to mature nobody's accusing him of being a, a bad guy just maybe needs to Step it up a little bit. Take the game a little bit more seriously at times. And, you know, 
all, another thing too with him is that he's produced in uh, offense that has had a lot of other good wide receivers around him, right? I mean, it's he he walked into a, a receiving room with Juju Smith Schuster and Deontay Johnson and. Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but the Steelers had good receivers and Claypool came in and demanded targets and produced. Now, did he produce at an elite level? No, but he produced at a very good level. The The Bears would have loved a receiver to put up close to a thousand yards over the last couple of years. And so I, I think... Certainly next to Mo- uh, Mooney, that would have been nice. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you talk about, I mean, bad quarterback play, which was Roethlisberger at the end, and now this year with Trubisky and Pickett, plus the fact that he was able to establish a presence on a team that had a lot of other good targets. Like, I, I, I think, you know, modest success is, is fair, but I also think that when you draft a player in the second round, if his first two seasons he's going to get you close to a thousand yards, I think you take that. Yeah. Especially when one of the years he had nine touchdowns. So I think he has produced. I mean, anytime a player gets traded or cut by another team, that's a bit of a red flag because if he was that good, they wouldn't be getting rid of him. But, sure. you know, the Steelers are in a rebuild right now. They have other wide receivers that they need to pay. And, they just saw him as expendable for one reason or another. So I, I think that it's definitely a situation where there's pretty much unlimited opportunity here for him, right? I mean, the Bears have plenty of targets to go around mm-hmm. because they've got Mooney and they've really got nobody else that's established. There's some players that are, have, have you know shown some flashes right. when, you, when you talk about Nikhil Harry. I, I still... I'm excited to see Byron Pringle a little bit. He'll be back this week, but right. um, actually, Dante Pettis has been, been right. serviceable. So is St. Brown, but Claypool is a clear step up from all those guys in terms of talent, with, sure. with the possible exception of Harry. So if he comes in and he seizes this opportunity, I mean, he he could be the focal point of this offense for the rest of the year, and he could be in line for a big contract. So. I'm excited about the move, and the other thing that I'm excited about is I think it's kind of a endorsement of uh, Fields from the front office. If they thought Fields was not the guy, they wouldn't have made that trade. So no. I think the fact that they went out early and brought him in another weapon as opposed to waiting to the until the offseason, I think that's definitely just a testament to how they feel about Justin, and I think that it means that they're excited to see him develop with more weapons around him so all around i mean does it does it stink to give up the second round pick absolutely but that was the market price the bears were not the only team that was offering a second round pick i know it's been reported that the packers did so the bears presumably will be picking higher than the packers so their picks a little bit more valuable but it's not like they're dramatically overpaid at least in my opinion well i mean this is probably um you know that maybe 10 or even 15 picks higher than he was actually picked. Mm -hmm. So this, I mean, when you have a player that is already been, had a high pick on him and then has had, like you said, maybe good success, maybe modest. Anyway, not what you, not starter numbers. Um, You know, and then, you are able to trade him for a higher pick than you actually used on him. It's usually the other team that's kind of looking like they got left with the bag. However, the other argument is that, you know what? We know something about this kid, right? We have film on him. We've seen what he's done. We know he's for, not a bust. Yeah, for two and a half seasons, we have we have production to look at, you know? So... We, at the same time, are getting some bird in hand. We are getting some, we are paying for something that has some, 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 uh, substantiation to it. So there is, uh, there is that aspect that we're not, uh, you know, handing out that pick blind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when you draft a player at any point in the draft, there's always the chance that it's just a zero, right? Of course. That's... That draft is one to look at right there. Well, look at the draft last year. I mean, there were plenty. There was a million receivers drafted in the second round, and some have been good, some have been terrible. But 
you know, it, it, it's just a lot of uncertainty. You're kind of throwing darts at the wall a little bit. So the fact that they've already seen two and a half years of at least stable production from this player, like, you, you know that it's not going to be a complete zero now. So, yes, they probably slid up a little bit compared to where he was drafted. But like you said, you've also got tape on the guy. I mean, and sometimes it, it takes a little bit of time, too. I mean, uh, there's been plenty of posts on social media over the last couple of days like well if you look at the wide receivers drafted in the second round over the last two years then it's not very impressive and then somebody comes back with well but if you look at the three years before that then you've got (laughs) aj brown and dj sam or uh, debo samuel so trust me you can cherry pick any 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 statistic you know what i say about that i don't (laughs) care like i mean just go go back and and i mean sometimes it takes time when you talk about Jefferson, number one, obviously that was the first round pick, but that's a special player and uh, very special. Like the elite, the elite of the elite are the guys that step onto the field day one and are racking up thousand yard seasons. And remember, he wasn't even the first guy picked. Exactly. I mean, so you know, there's other teams that could have had him that took receivers. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking now at another another second round pick. Uh, he was uh, actually uh, to mention this um, in that re- in that uh, draft, the 2020 draft. Uh, there was 35 receivers taken in that draft. Um, he was the uh, 11th uh, taken in that draft. Um, you know, one thing that we um, in Mooney was the 25th taken in that draft. I'm just I'm, I'm looking at Devonte Adams. That was a second round pick and. His first two years, 446 yards, 483 yards, catch percentage in the mid-50s. Yeah. So sometimes it takes time. Yeah. Especially, you know, when you're walking into offenses where there are, where, where number one, there's a Hall of Fame quarterback and there's other good wide receivers, right? Like, I, I think Claypool's production has been pretty much on par with what you could expect from a player picked there. And just when you see the athleticism and you see some of the catches that he's made and some of the highlight real potential that he has, I, I think that it's certainly worth what the Bears gave up. And would I have rather it been the Ravens' second-round pick? Absolutely. Sure. But that wasn't going to get it done. Right. They didn't trade the higher pick just because they wanted to. They, they wanted the player, and they went out and got him. And I am certainly willing to let to give them the benefit of the doubt on it, just because I, I really... Pace would have gave up play. two picks this year and one pick next year. That's the other thing I saw. Like pe- 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 People are like, well, we saw the last guy constantly trading draft picks. It's like, this is one draft pick for one player. Yeah. And the player is 24. Yeah. Pace was trading multiple draft picks for guys in their late 20s, and he was doing that because he was trying to win a Super Bowl, and... They had a shot at that, and the quarterback tanked. But Pace was trading away draft picks for basically mortgaging the future for players that weren't going to be around. Right. And that's what you don't want to do. This is a player that will be around. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Poles has made, uh, has has said it over and over again. And this is one of the things that that swayed me about this pick um, is that. He's doing this as a building block for the future. Right. That's what he sees in this kid. He sees a piece to move forward with. Now, um, you know, we've I've heard many times in the Twitter sphere uh, about, um, oh yeah, we need a veteran and we need a, a draft pick. Well, you just got a veteran. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you you not only got a veteran. Um, I looked it up. He as uh, out of out of that thirty five uh, receivers from that he's started um, he's uh, tied for eighth most games started out of thirty five receivers with Jerry Judy. Yeah, he's played played pretty much every so, game. Yeah, so he it's not like this guy has been right in the pine. Well, I mean, he's been he's been uh, involved the whole way. And there's other benefits to. Getting him now, right, as opposed to having to wait to the draft. Number one, obviously, it should help. It should help with your continued development of the quarterback. Getting Fields another weapon can only help, right? So that's number one. 
Number two is if Fields is truly the guy, then they need to be competing for real things next year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not a Super Bowl, but this team, if the quarterback is special, should be competing for the division and should certainly make the playoffs. Yeah. And they don't, if you draft a guy. Or at up, least be in serious competition yeah. for those. And, and if you draft a guy in the second round, you run the risk that he's just not ready, that he's not ready to produce and. We see it all the time that guys kind of need that little bit of a redshirt year, even high draft picks, right? Like they don't always produce in year one. Claypool won't have that excuse. He needs to be, he, he's going to be expected to have uh, 1,000 yard receiving, 1,000 receiving yards next year, right? And several touchdowns. So you get the, estab- you get the established player. So I, I, I just, I really like the trade. I, I don't think they traded too much for him at all. And I'm excited to, to watch him. I, I hope we'll see him a little bit on Sunday. I'm sure it'll take a couple of weeks for him to fully get immersed in the playbook. But I, I think that they're going to... I think they should put him out there on Sunday. I think he'll get some reps, yeah. I mean, he might not play as much as he will going forward, but I, I bet he'll be out there at least in some goal line packages, and I bet they'll run some plays for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like you were saying. Um, it... it it would have been nice for it to be the Ravens pick rather than the Bears pick. I, I just was reflecting on the part that, you know, uh, it, to me, it is kind of a big deal that we are paying out more for him than he was originally drafted at, uh, at at this point. But you have to leverage that versus what the upside is. And w- what the reason that we have Ryan Poles is for him to build a team. Right. Build a team. So we have to, this is the first time that he's really like stick, uh, taking uh, taken a resource and stuck it out there and said, you know what? It's worth it. Uh, count, count on me to make this pay. And, and I think that we need to look at that and say, Hey, it looks like it was a, a, a from most people's perspective, it looks like it was a pretty good deal. I, I think so. And I mean, the way I look at the Bears pick versus the Ravens pick, it's like, if he's really good, nobody's going to care. Oh, absolutely. If he's really bad, nobody's going to (laughs) care. And, like, what level of production would he need to achieve for people to be like, wow, it was worth the Ravens pick, but not the Bears (laughs) pick, right? Like, he's he's either going to be worth it or he's not. And I I tend to think that he will. I I just, I, I love the talent and I think that the Bears are going to coach him up for whatever reason, even though I've been proven wrong on that many times before when it comes to wide receivers. But I don't know. know. I was also, when I was looking at this last night, um, I think to me the biggest uh, dart-throwing position other than quarterback, I think, is now wide receiver. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, we and I think that was pretty blatant in the offseason when – we, you and I have talked about, you know, how how many big deals went out to uh, uh, players who, you know, was really questionable whether they should have got that much money or not. Um, but it, it simply the market was driving it that way, you know. Uh, uh, you know, Christian Kirk certainly seems to be having a pretty good season. He got paid huge, right? But you know what? Um, and. He, 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 they were getting weapons for their young quarterback. And they're only going to get more expensive. I mean, we've talked about for the last couple of weeks how the free agent list for next year is terrible. Yeah. So if teams are going to acquire wide receivers, it's going to either be via the draft or via trade. And when there's no viable free agent market, then receivers in the trade market get more valuable. It's just basic supply and demand, right? right. So if. Did they overpay? Maybe slightly, but that's the market. They didn't. They didn't do it for fun, and they had to get more players in here. And I think that they got a good one. Justin, you know the the Vikings have to be thinking about what they're going to do about Justin Jefferson, like right now. Oh yeah, because he is going to reset the market. Yeah, you know, um, you're looking at a guy who's easily twenty plus million a year, maybe more like twenty five million, um, and. If the Vikings don't want to do it, somebody's going to want to do it. Yeah, I mean, look, you got to look at whatever Tyreek Hill got and add a add a million bucks a year or so to that. <laughs> I mean, like you said, I mean, Jefferson's a, a special player, and he is going. And he's to not get the only one. Contract. Um, the, you know, we just played the Cowboys. C.D. Lamb is going to want big dollars. T. Higgins. Yeah, um, and you know, 
it, what's uh, it, you know you were commenting uh, about the, the the crop that's going to be available in free agency, and like you said, it's it's very weak. Um, so most likely uh, we're going to have to use one of the uh, higher draft picks uh, on receiver. And while that all sounds well and good, one of the things that I think is key from the last draft is that Poles didn't necessarily listen to what the buzz was out there. He identified a spot that was bad mm-hmm. and literally mapped out who was going to be available for the spots that he needed. And he saw, you know what, I can upgrade one of the positions with two players that could be there. Yeah. And, I mean, guys... Uh, you know, for all the complaints that have been made about Kyler Gordon, I at least for one have seen improvement in that kid. And I don't care what anybody says, Brisker should be up for rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's pretty good. Or, I mean, uh, there's no way you can look at this year's secondary and say it's anywhere close to last year's. Oh, it's way better. And to your point about the draft, I, I think if they hadn't have made this move, I think that they basically were backing themselves into a corner of ha- ha- Absolutely. having to use that first-round pick on a wide receiver because there was just no way that they could go into next offseason not having addressed that position. But now, with Claypool, I don't think they have to pick the wide receiver in the first round. I think they need to pick one in the first couple, but I think it gives them a little bit more flexibility where, say, that there's a, a really good tackle on the board or... A really good pass rusher, and let's say the Bears are picking, I don't know, number eight or whatever, like that will allow them to kind of pick the best player available as opposed to kind of feeling forced to maybe taking the best wide receiver, even though it's not necessarily the best player. Maybe they will still take a wide receiver there. There's plenty of good ones that'll be available in the top 10, but I don't think you're necessarily forcing yourself to do that now, which I think is another benefit of the move. And you know when you look at um, you look at his last draft. Uh, I was when I was reading uh, uh, the mailbag for for Biggs. You know, there's always got to be one knucklehead in there, <laughs> and uh, there was some uh, dweeb in there that was like, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, I, I got to question all of uh, the picks that were made this year." Oh, Something along those kind of lines, right? And you know, I was looking at that, and I was thinking to myself, I actually think that this was a pretty darn good draft considering the picks that he had available to him Mm -hmm. and what we're seeing out of the rookies that are playing um again the reason i mentioned this is what you just said flexibility um we go in to next year's draft with this group of players we've said this over again over and over again what they're looking for is a core of players to build with and by him uh, by polls last night, uh, last time taking chances on some of these, uh, you know, younger, uh, smaller school guys uh, that had good physical attributes, but maybe played for a lesser program, gave them gave him flexibility going forward. It didn't know it didn't make us an all star team right now. People that look at Braxton Jones and say, "Oh, the guy's struggling." Really? <laughs> what exactly were you thinking? I mean, yeah, he was struggling against Matt Judon and, yeah, right. and uh, Micah Parsons. Um, I don't know exactly what you were expecting out of that. The fact that though he's been able to play every down in every game, I mean, you got to give the kid some credit just for that. He hasn't looked completely incompetent. No, not at all. So it gives them flexibility again and it gives them development of young players and again it looks towards the future where he has been very clear guys don't expect a good year this year in fact next year it's iffy we're looking at 2024 as the kind of year that you know what we should be starting to be real players real contenders you know i i you know just to look in our own division right the lions boy they look like they still need a lot of work yeah. the packers they still look like they need a lot of work especially if 12 decides to say adios muchachos yeah right the vikings yeah they're a good squad and they got a lot of good young pieces do they look like a contender this year and they should um 
I don't know. I haven't really seen him beat anybody of, of, of real repute. So We'll see with them. Yeah, you know. Um, but, uh, okay, um, so uh, I think it's time to move on to Power Rankings! Do you want to talk Bears-Cowboys at all or just skip it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we forgot the game! Okay, so talk about the Bears-Cowboys. I don't have much, um, you know... That, that's what it looks like when a bad team plays a really good team. I mean, yes. Come on, guys. They were a better team. I, I think that it was actually really encouraging for the offense to go down there and score almost 30 points against one of the better defenses in the league. Doing that. Absolutely. Doing that on the road. I mean, just think about some of the offensive performances we've seen here over the last, I don't know, 20 years. And we were scoring real touchdowns. I mean, like in the thick of things. Yeah. Even though they were hammering us down, they didn't give up. Exactly. And, by the way, that 29 points doesn't include, I think, three deep balls that could have been caught mm-hmm. in, in or around the end zone that were either dropped. Or A lot the, of drops. Like, the, the, the Bayless Jones drop was about as bad as it gets. Yep. And then... Uh, at the end of the half, the consecutive throws to Pettis and St. Brown that were in the, in the end zone that weren't necessarily like drops, but certainly 50-50 balls that a good receiver would have gone up and at least made a play on. Could have caught it or drawn a pass interference penalty maybe. The, the two of those guys just don't have that capability. So I, I think like 29 points against the Cowboys defense with, a bunch of bums playing at wide receiver for the most part is a really good performance by Fields. And yeah, like you said, I mean, the defense sucks. I mean, that's, that's, there's no yeah. ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, yeah. the Cowboys have a great offensive line. They have a great running game. They're going to run the ball against a lot of teams, but they made the Bears look like they weren't even. They, they shouldn't even be out there on an NFL field on defense. And, yep. boy, there's going to be some more of that coming with with, <laughs> with Quinn gone well, and with Roquan gone now. Okay, so one of the points that I did want to make, and, uh, you know, this is a matter of perspective kind of thing, but, you know, uh, you look at this, and, yeah, they just got they, they got beat heartily by a much better team. They got manhandled. But, you know what? One of the things that I saw when I was watching that Cowboy squad is – that's what you can do when you have the same quarterback as your primary guy. You're not having to search every single year for a new guy. Or, is this the guy? Dak came out, you know, uh, there was a little bit of buzz about Cooper Rush, you know, kind of being the game manager and maybe he can keep going. And Prescott came out there like, who? <laughs> he he was on fire. Uh, literally, like, there was flames coming off of him the entire first half, right? He was unstoppable. And yeah, he has good weapons around him. He has a good offensive line. You know what? But that's the thing is, is that Prescott has... When they made that pick, they were able to start focusing on the pieces around him. We have a GM. uh, I've always thought this since they hired Poles, that this guy believes in fields. I I have to believe that because I don't see a GM coming out of a great situation. It's not like he had to take this job. He was in a great situation already, right? Right. Um, Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he helped build that team. In the right? Super Bowl every year. It's pretty good gig. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there's no way that he comes to the Bears without going, they got this young kid and they're looking for him to be the guy. And I want to go there and take that kid and make him the guy. And I think that's starting to really show through for a lot of doubters out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we said it last week. If if Mike McCarthy wasn't the head coach of Dallas, I'd be picking them to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> they're they're that good, and the Bears are not good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the biggest thing for the rest of the year is you just can't really worry about the defense. Like you want to see the secondary play okay because there's guys in the secondary that matter, but 
The, the front seven is just terrible. Actually, it, you know, the secondary, I think we both agree, is, you know, it's better. Yeah, it's been all right. I mean, they're not giving up huge plays for the most part. Um, the front seven, you just you just can't worry about it. Most no. Those guys aren't going to be around for the most part. There, there's some pieces there that might be rotational players, but when the Bears are hopefully competing for a Super Bowl in three years, I, I'd be willing to bet that none of the guys in the front seven are, are in starter roles. I mean, so... I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I like Robinson a lot. I, I still think that he, I think he has the the talent. Um, I mean, obviously, well, you know, he's got a ways to go. But I think out of all of them, his physical size and speed um, give him a really great edge. And if they can, like you said, coach him up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and maybe that's a good point because he has starter potential. It's just that right now he's still learning the position. Yeah, and he's really young, and he came from Miami of Ohio. And you see, you see it, I mean, on a couple of those huge runs. He only started one year there. Yeah, he, he's, he's played defensive end for one year. <laughs> so, And you, you saw that on a couple of those big runs from Pollard. Robinson was way out of position. He was out of his gap, and those are coaching moments. So, for Pollard now, was ridiculous <laughs> that night, though. I mean... He, you know, uh, I, I heard the joke multiple times this week. I think we would have been a lot better off if Elliot would have played. Uh, well, Pollard's better, but <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, yeah, I mean, the defense is not good, and it's not going to be good this year. They just no. they just don't have invested. They haven't invested in it. Their two best players in the front seven have now been traded, and yep. it's a lot of guys that aren't going to be around. So if there's one thing, I mean... I always like to say, if, if you're going to suck, you might as well be interesting. And <laughs> over the last four weeks, if, if you maybe take out the Washington game, that one kind of was just, that was Thursday night games, I think, yeah. just kind of go in the toilet sometimes. Yeah. But other than that, the Bears have been interesting. They've been absolutely they've been scoring points, they've been hanging around, and they've been doing it against some pretty decent defenses. So more, more to come on that. And if the Bears want to lose games 50 to 40, then I'm here for it because they'll be losing games in a different way that they've been losing games pretty much my whole life. So I'll take that. Absolutely. Okay. And over to the power rankings. Okay. So uh, week nine here. And uh, of course, we're starting again with. The Buffalo Bills, yeah. who are going to absolutely destroy the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so this this uh, week is, in addition to our updated rankings, we checked in with NFL Nation reporters across the league and asked them to give one reason for optimism on every team. Do we have one reason for optimism? I think we have more than one reason for I optimism. So. But uh, the Buffalo Bills are reason for optimism. <laughs> that playing like the best team in the league. <laughs> yeah, the reason for optimism is that they're by far the best team. They're the best team in the league. So, uh, you know, they, they let off. And, of course, the best team in the NFC is right behind them, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, I, I still believe uh, firmly that there is a lot of uh, similarities between Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. Uh, if, if, if I actually think that I think that Fields is a better athlete than Hurts is. Yeah. So he's got um, a better you know, arm for sure. You know, if if that kind of um, build can happen uh, for Fields uh, as it has for Hurts, you know, we could see him in the same position in a couple. Do, seasons. do, do yourself a favor and go back and watch some of the games that Jalen Hurts played around this time last year, and tell me that Fields doesn't look better than that right now. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the first one of the group is the Vikings, of course. Where are they? Uh, they? They're at number five. They were number five last week. They stayed at number five. Um, You know, uh, their reason for optimism, success in close games. Uh, Six and one record is highlighted by five victories and one possession games. There's no doubt they have some notable concerns and lulls on both sides of the ball. By the way, this is from Kevin Seifert, who's success, local. Success in close games is not really a reason for optimism. <laughs> I agree. Typically, that means you've gotten lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he goes on to say pretty much that. So, um, the next one in line is all the way down at uh, number... Oh, we're going way down here. Um, all the way down to the Green Bay Cheeseballs, who are probably at their lowest ranking in 
years. Uh, they're, they dropped from 16 down to 20. Uh, you know, they're finally, uh, people are finally starting to recognize this just isn't a very good team. No. Reason for optimism, Aaron Jones. Uh, Jones ranks tied for fifth amongst all running backs in yards per carry, fifth in total rushing, and he's also tied for fifth in rushes of 10 yards or more by a running back. So, um, that's about, that's about it. Uh, I guess they kind of share a little bit of similarity with the Bears there. So, where you got them? The Bears? What were they last week? Uh, I think they were they were 28 last week. Oh, they didn't go up. So I'm going to guess that they're 28th again. Wrong! They did go up. Right. They actually went up to 26. Uh, reason, wow. <laughs> they did. Reason for optimism. Justin Fields' development. Yeah. Fields has shown considerable growth in Chicago's past two games. A win at New England and a loss at Dallas. And it looks like... A different quarterback from where he was weeks one through six. That tangible improvement is something this franchise can be excited about for long term, considering how well Fields has performed despite the lack of talent around him. Second year quarterback posted the highest pass rating of his career, pass rating 120.0, mm-hmm. against the Cowboys, and is showing the Bears that he may be their long term answer. Thank you, Courtney Corona. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. I, it was, I, I did hear that. It was statistically his best game of his career against the Cowboys. And that's pretty good because that's a good defense. And That is a good like, defense. Like we said, I mean, there were plenty of catchable deep balls that were not caught. So, yeah. And, mean, and one that he underthrew, to be fair. He had St. Brown wide open on the first play of the game and underthrew him. But there were three or four other... Uh, big plays that were left out on the field by the wide receivers. I personally think that was horrible pass interference on that play, <laughs> but you know I'm looking through orange tinted glasses, so what? What can I say? Uh, and then of course uh, near the bottom of the barrel, once again, uh, hey, they're going to be good this year. Detroit Lions, <laughs> Jared Goff sucks. Uh, so I know that uh, it's not all Goff's fault, certainly, um, but you know this team is just. A loss and a loss and a loss. Uh, a, 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 you know, I guess the um, Lions owner, Sheila Ford Hamp, uh, told le- reporters last week that she continues to believe in head coach Dan Campbell and that they plan on uh, keeping him around. Why? I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how that works. Uh, you know, bottom of the barrel, of course, the Texans. Uh, you know, uh, they said that... Um, they said their reason for optimism is the rookie class. Uh, they they got some good pieces in there, but you know, I mean that you know these teams are uh, constantly at the bottom of the barrel. Um, uh, the uh, the Steelers are right there, but they think that the Steelers might be able to turn it around with T.J. Watt's uh, improvement. Uh, the Jaguars once again two and six. Uh, however, Travis Etienne is looking like could be real deal. Yeah, whatever, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, on to next week. Um, let's going, see. Going around the division, you want to start with the Vikings? Yeah, let's start with the purple peoples. Um, you know, I just uh, made my uh, comment known. I think that the Bills are going to absolutely squash them. Well, they, they they play Washington. Oh, this they, week. that's right. I'm sorry. They so, they're, yeah, they're playing Washington this week. So yeah, to your point, right? I mean, the biggest comp- the biggest criticism of the Vikings so far is that they haven't beaten anybody. And you know, they beat the Cardinals this week by eight. The Cardinals aren't great, but they're not terrible. Um, that's probably the best team they've at played. home. Mm-hmm. They beat them at home. Well, that's probably the best team they've played so far. And then this week they've got Washington. That's another game that they should win. But then. After that, that's going to be the stretch that we learn the most about the Vikings because they've got at Bills versus Cowboys versus Patriots. Yeah. So three, you know, I mean, the, the Bills are elite. The Cowboys, we just saw them. The Patriots, you know, we'll see where they're at. Obviously, we saw what the Bears did to them, but they have been playing pretty well other than that Bears game. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting next uh, four or so weeks for the Vikings. We're going to learn a lot about whether or not they're real contenders or whether or not they are going to probably win the division and go out in the first round. So yep. more so, to come there. Uh, matchup predictor has Minnesota 55%, uh, Washington 45%. Um, 
I think this Washington team is not very good at all. No. Um, I, I think that, you know, I think their one win against the Bears is going to turn out to be the highlight of their year. Uh, and and, and I mean, beating the Packers. It, oh, yeah, and beating the Packers, which, you know, we got to thank them for that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, this this it, it's a Carson Wentz team. Um, I, I don't think that Carson Wentz is back. I, I think he's just as mediocre as he's been he's out this week though oh yeah who do they got heineke oh yeah that's right heineke is actually showing a little something now um you know that's one of the things about that's one of the things that's interesting about backup quarterbacks is they can come in and they can show us something for two or three games but you know the the ones that you know keep going to different teams and and keep losing the job it's 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 endemic. It's not going to change. You, 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 you can't shine a turd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, it looks like Minnesota by three and a half. And yeah, I think um, we're going to see whether they're contenders or pretenders over these next. Uh, uh, so what do you think? Contenders or pretenders, Minnesota Vikings? Um, well, I certainly don't think that they're as good as the Bills. Um, obviously they got blown out by the Eagles. I think that the Vikings offense is really good, especially now that they've traded for Hawkinson. And so I I think that they can put up points, especially if they're playing up here in, in the dome, but I'm not sold on their defense and I'm not sold on the quarterback. So I have a feeling that It'll be kind of the same story as the last couple of times they've made the playoffs. They always run into a team that's more physical than them, and they just kind of get pushed aside. And I, I kind of have a feeling that's what's going to happen again this year. And, and I'm just not a believer in Cousins in the playoffs. I loved the Vikings going into the year as a regular season team, but I would never bet on Cousins to do literally anything in the playoffs. So <laughs> I guess that's a long way of saying probably a bit of a pretender. Uh Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, looking at these next three games um, at Washington, uh, they'll probably win that. At Buffalo, probably going to get destroyed, and I think it's also a loss to the to the Dallas Cowboys that we saw uh, the other the other day. Um, I think that team goes in there and, and thumps them, and they could lose to the Patriots too. I mean, yeah. It, okay, so it's going to be a big test for them. So it'll be so, interesting. So, um, on to, uh, who, who do we got next? Well, the Packers and the Lions play each other. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, what do you got there? Uh, not much new on the Packers this week. They still suck, and it's still, <laughs> still fun to laugh at Aaron Rodgers. The, the Lions, that, that comment you read just triggered me. So, <laughs> so, so, so they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're going to probably draft a quarterback in the top three at some point, whether or not they're picking first or second or third, and they're going to pair that quarterback with Dan Campbell. Like, it's just a, that's the reason that dumb franchises stay bad. Because yep. Dan Campbell's not shown anything in his time there. It, all, all it's been is a team that finds really, really creative ways to lose a lot of games, and you know, we, we saw it last week. I mean, they, they got back their skill position players. They were playing Miami, who's a good team, and they scored a lot of points against Miami. But what did they do? They also gave up 45 <laughs> points, right? Like, so at, at some point, it's just not working up there. I mean, they went several weeks in a row scoring no points and playing good defense and losing in dumb ways, like fumbling the ball on the goal line against oh, Dallas. My. And then they finally go back to scoring points, and then they give up a ton too so it's just like it's a it's a loser franchise that continues to lose games and i don't know why you would believe in dan campbell at (laughs) at all like seems like a nice guy seems like he cares a lot seems like he probably gives a pretty good pep talk but he loses a lot and two years there i think he's won what like four games yeah i think i think that's that's, about it that's not enough so. so matchup predictor has uh uh the packers uh 74 uh, Lions twenty five. I, I actually think that's, I think that's inaccurate. That game's in Detroit, right? It's in Detroit. I I, I could see the Lions getting a second win against this Packer team. Well, so the Lions—they're not special. No, the Packers are terrible. You know, um, and it's like you said. 
Uh, we do know this Lions team can put up some points. Especially if they have Swift and if they have St. Brown, which it sounds like they will. They will. Uh, obviously, like for them, you know, who knows where their morale will be after they traded Hawkinson because it seems like they're going back to square zero for the, what, 20th time in the last 20 years? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the Packers have, have shown you nothing to suggest that they, like, there's nobody the Packers can't lose to, right? Right. With, with their offense playing the way it is, and their defense certainly hasn't been anything special either. So, if the Lions can score 30 points, like, can the Packers score 30 points right now? I don't know. Like, can the Packers block Aiden Hutchinson? I, I don't know. I mean, it's I it's, it's two bad teams squaring off in Detroit. I don't know who's going to win, but... I, I, I would say um, multiple sacks by Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, you, you, you love seeing Rodgers get sacked. Spread is uh, Green Bay by three and a half, so... Um, they feel, uh, the, the, the bookmakers definitely feel pretty, uh, uh, pretty confident about, uh, 12 and in his group. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, it's a must win game for the Packers. If they want to do anything, which by the way, if you really want to get some additional enjoyment, just go and look at all the Packers fans crying on social media because they didn't pick up anybody at the trade deadline like it's just like in, inject that into my veins right that, the, yeah that was pretty that was pretty delicious I, I was enjoying that myself so uh on onto the onto the real game so um what, what do you got bears lions um well the or sorry bears dolphins yeah well so the the dolphins probably are going to score every time they have the ball <laughs> <laughs> they've got they got two great wide receivers two is playing well they just have a really good offense. They scored, what, 45 in Detroit last week? Yep. So they're going to score a lot on the Bears. The Bears' defense is not good. Um, no, they they scored 31. Oh, okay. That's yeah. actually less than I thought. But um, still, the, the Dolphins are going to score a lot. The Dolphins' defense has not played great, and they've got a lot of injuries. Uh, they did just trade for Bradley Chubb, which is a big addition to that defense. And he really is. a good pass rusher, but... I think the I think this game could be pretty high scoring. I think the Bears are going to be able to put up some points against this Dolphins defense. We'll see how much Claypool gets involved, but even if he's not, I, I think that the Bears are live to get in the end zone a few times and to score into the 30s here, which, like, when was the last time you could confidently say that about a Bears offense? <laughs> That's so true. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. I, I think that... It's going to be a bit of a shootout, which might be kind of fun. And I think the Bears probably lose, but at least they'll lose differently. Yeah, I, I have to uh, uh, I have to go with that. Um, uh, matchup predictor, Miami 69, uh, Bears 31. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think that's a little lopsided. Um, uh, this Bears team has shown some real spirit, though, and some real fire. Uh, spread is Miami by five, um, on the road. So, uh, again, bookmakers pretty confident, uh, there. Um, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the bears, um, uh, can go out there and score some points against this team. Uh, however, uh, it will, I, I think it comes down to, uh, how much, uh, protection and scheming they do for Justin Fields, uh, to keep him from getting run over. And, um, you know, if the, if the defense can do anything, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that will help. Yeah. Like get a turnover, right? Yeah, exactly. But, um, it looks like, uh, injury report here. Borum is questionable. Uh, Whitehair is, is, or isn't? Uh, I heard he's eligible to come back. I have not sure heard that he is going. I don't know whether he practiced. And I, I haven't heard that he's practiced. I heard Jenkins yeah. is hurt too. Yeah, Jenkins is listed as questionable. Jackson is uh, listed as questionable, and Kyler Gordon is questionable. So, um, those are you know those are three uh, pretty uh, key pieces right there. So we'll have to keep watching for that. Um, so you know, uh, I, I think uh, I think the Bears probably uh, probably go to um, you know three and seven, but. Uh, I think that um, I think this could be at least a fun game to watch. It feels so. better than three and seven, though, doesn't it? I, 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 they do, <laughs> and I think most people would agree with you on that. Yeah, you it, know, it's, that's just the quarterback. I mean, if the quarterback's playing well this year, nothing else really matters. I, you know, I, you know. Also, I think this um, this group of wide receivers, though, is actually played okay. 
considering, um, uh, you know, where we got them. You know, I mean, most of them were dustbin guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, uh, but we did you know, the, the biggest thing there is that, uh, Paul's, you know, didn't waste anything on them. I mean, they all cost nothing. So, uh, you know, the, the fact that he, we have seen some glimmer of hope at, at, with some of these guys, you know, maybe that bodes well for the future as far as just, you know, your four guy, your five guy, your six guy, your seven guy. Um, you know, you, you, you still got to have other pieces other than those, you know, your, your top guys uh, that you can, you know, get as relief valves. Exactly, and I, I mean, I think when you consider the personnel, just overall the offenses exceeded my expectations. It, it was rough at first, but I think it might have taken them a couple of weeks to really kind of find their identity, and I I mean, they're putting up points, and that's more than I expected going into the year, so I'm hoping for a fun game Sunday. Like you said, if the Bears can maybe get a little lucky, maybe get a couple turnovers, I, I think they're going to score in this game, so if... Maybe a couple of things bounce their way. There's nothing that says they can't win this one. So right. We'll see. And if they win, if they win, then you know who they've got the week after. Detroit. Oh yeah, that's and right. <laughs> so if if the Bears win uh, Sunday, then hey, maybe next week we're talking about an opportunity to get back to 500 against the Lions. So, so uh, is has any player been dogged out more than Valus Jones? Just asking. <laughs> <laughs> God, all right. Man, I, that kid is really taking a lot of a lot of guff. <laughs> I know we're almost out of time, but here's the thing with Jones: like when he when he gets the ball in his hands, like good things happen. I think like, so. Every time he's got the ball, he picks up ten yards. Yeah. The problem is getting the ball into his hands <laughs> because he keeps dropping it. So I don't know what they need to do, but punt returns and in the receiving game, they've got to figure out how to teach him to catch the ball because yeah, yeah. it's kind of an essential skill for a wide receiver well and you know Pettis seems to be doing an okay job there uh as far as uh punt returns but um I certainly like uh scheming him in there as uh as a gadget guy um and I and I'd like to see more of it yeah I think so, so too and I think I think we will so and I, I know Jones has definitely had his share of terrible moments and that certainly is a way to earn criticism as a rookie but the people that are writing him off already that that just doesn't make any sense exactly so so we'll see um hopefully he has a good game this week awesome all right well thanks a lot bears fans for joining us bear down bear down thanks for listening